Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well today. We're going to be continuing our study in Ruth, um, looking at the end of chapter 2 and then the first five verses of chapter 3. But as we begin, uh, let's start out with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you teach us by your word and that you show us yourself as you have revealed yourself through redemptive history. And pray that you would strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, there's been a question I've been considering and I'd like to put it to you to think about as we go through this study today. It has to do with uh, verse 20 in chapter 2 of Ruth. And um, the question has to do with what, what, who is the person that Naomi is referring to when she refers to the kindness? And so um, let's read the verses. And when we get to chapter 22, just think about that. Um, who is Ruth really talking about there? So we'll start at verse 17, and we'll just go through the end of chapter 2 at first. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had after, left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Actually, I'm going to stop there. So if you look in chapter 20, can anyone tell me who Naomi's referring to when when she says, Whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead, at least in the ESV? That's how it's put. Primarily the Lord. Okay. Uh, through, Boaz. through Boaz. Primarily the Lord through Boaz. Okay. To Naomi. So Naomi says, um, let's see. May he be blessed by Yahweh. And then, and then it says, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. So it's the Lord. Anyone else? Does it tell us who here? Does it? Explain. What version is that out of curiosity? How's it how's it read? Does it Okay. Yeah. So in the Hebrew and in the ESV at least, it is left kind of ambiguous. Yes. In the NAS, which capitalizes God's pronouns, it's not capitalized. Oh, really? The he is not capitalized in the NAS. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and in the Hebrew, it is ambiguous too. It could be referring to the Lord. It could be referring to the he, which would be Boaz. And so, all right. So just keep that question in mind as we go through this. I'm not answering the question at least not right now. So, 
But as we go through the book, just looking at, we're going to be looking at Naomi and what is what is the Lord doing with Naomi as he as he brings her out of the land of Moab into his his land with his people, and and as he deals with a woman who is bitter, who is empty, and who thinks that Yahweh's hand has come against her. He's working on her and patiently turning her from bitterness and self-pity by bestowing his loving kindness upon her through Boaz and Ruth. And so as we see how the Lord is working on Naomi, consider this. Look at the kindness of the Lord, for by it he leads us patiently to repentance. So consider that as we go through this. And we'll have three points the road to Naomi's repentance begins with the loving kindness of the Lord bestowed upon her. And then point two would be the road to Naomi's repentance continues with the patience of the Lord bearing upon her. And then point three is Ruth and Boaz show what it means to rest in the kindness of the Lord. So point one, the road to Naomi's repentance begins with the loving kindness of the Lord bestowed upon her. And we see this uh, bestowing of his loving kindness in two ways here. <clears throat> in food, and in uh, food in abundance, and then with the hope of progeny or offspring. So, what is Naomi's history with food? Who would like to kind of tell us about that? Anybody remember what they'd gone through and why earlier? Yep, they fled Moab, uh, fled, fled Bethlehem to Moab to find food because there was famine in Bethlehem. Yep, and then what happens? Yeah, she heard that there was food back at home after her husband, and then her two sons had died, and she was left destitute and widowed. And so she's there in Bethlehem, and Ruth has gone out to glean here in chapter 2. And she certainly doesn't expect Ruth to come back with too much as we see her um, exclaim in surprise, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So Ruth there had brought home in one day basically what could feed them for a week or two. In one day, and Ruth still had almost two months of gleaning left to do here. So as we consider what she's gone through in this story and what she's, what she's um, with her leaving her people and her land from the promised land and going to a land that was cursed, then the family struck with the death of all the men, leaving her destitute. She's now left with no support and with two daughters-in-law in a foreign land. And then she hears that Yahweh had visited his people. And it brought them food. And so, in chapter 1, in verse 13, she tells her daughters-in-law that the hand of Yahweh has come against her. And then she follows this up with her accusations in 20 and 21 to the women of Bethlehem, the people of Bethlehem. What do we see, even as she is complaining and empty and bitter, what do we see in chapter 1, even, of the hint of the kindness of the Lord? 
in chapter 1 even, even as Naomi's bitter and empty and accuses the Lord, do we see, where do we see Yahweh already showing the hint of the kindness to come? So, already. Yep. Yeah, Ruth. He gave her Ruth. Okay. What else? If you look at verse 22, especially. Yeah, yeah, they come back to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, which follows up the comment of the Lord visiting his people and bringing them food. And so the timing is perfect to take advantage of the full harvest season. It is. Well, according to, yeah, in Ruth, it's barley and wheat. Yep, yeah. So barley's just at the beginning of that, and it's about two months of, yep. Yeah, so even then in chapter 1, we see, even as Naomi is accusing the Lord and, and seeing him as coming against her, she, the Lord is showing, her, showing us that behind the scenes, his kindness will come upon her. So we see Ruth given to her. We see the food that will be supplied to her. <clears throat> and we see then, as Ruth brings this food back to her, that Naomi's response in verses 19 and 20, indicates that instead of everything being said against her, maybe there's hope. So it's a contrast of a complaint to her complaints in chapter 1, as you see this in 19 and 20. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi blesses. May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. So now her emptiness of belly has been filled. She no longer seems to be seeing the hand of the Lord as coming out against her. But... The question is, does she see this as the kindness of, of Yahweh, her covenant God, coming and protecting her from hunger? Or does she stop short and look to Boaz? Blessed be he of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on. Well, I don't want to give away the answer, but I agree with you. But uh, no, yeah, the kindness that she's looking to—it could be the Lord's kindness, or it could be Boaz's kindness, but. Let's keep that question in mind and keep going and look at the hope that Yahweh brings to her in the hope of progeny to, to ease her bitterness. <clears throat> so first she gets food and then she finds hope in this, proge- proge- in this hope of offspring. So seeing herself as barren and beyond the age of a husband, we see that in chapter 1, she did not have a hope of a son who would raise up the name of her dead husband. She saw basically her destiny was that of an 
impoverished and destitute widow, destined to just scratch out a living in the land. But her, her name and her land would not continue. And remember, um, when she urged Orpah and Ruth to go back, uh, think, of, think of how what she told them in terms... This is just an, a, a twist. What did she tell them to do in the house of their husband? Remember? Go back to Moab and find rest in the house of your husband, she tells them. Think of what would have happened had Ruth stayed in Moab as we go further into the story. So the Lord again shows loving kindness toward her as as she sees the possibility now coming to verses 20 and following, the possibility of Ruth and Boaz marrying and the line continuing. So look at the... um, We'll we'll look at the verses and then look at how the author really brings this out, the excitement that's there. So looking at, um, we've read through 20, so let's go to 21. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay. So the result of their conversation is that they're waiting. I want to go up now to verse 19 and kind of contrast this kind of waiting and and show kind of what the author is presenting here. So in 19, consider this. Ruth had gone to this field of a guy. And she met him, and she found out his name was Boaz. Ruth had no idea that Boaz was a redeemer, right? Now, the author points out in verse 1 and in verse 3 that Elimelech was of the line of, or, uh, well, he was of the line of Boaz, but I meant it the other way. Boaz was of the line, clan of Elimelech. So we know that Boaz is a redeemer, was a kinsman, but Ruth doesn't know. And then Naomi would know that, but she didn't know where Ruth had been. Until Ruth told her. And so look at how the author here is just really bringing out the, the it's like a trumpet. Boaz. So I'm going to try to read it that way. Verse 19. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. Just reading that in the English, you can see it there where Boaz is at the end of the sentence. But that's not typical in Hebrew. And... Let me read it with a different emphasis so that you kind of get the idea. So, and, and here we, we're waiting for the punchline when Naomi realizes, hey, Boaz, he's a relative, okay? So listen, the man's name, dot, 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 with whom I work today, dot, 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 is Boaz. Yeah, that's basically how it read, reads, <laughs> with the drum roll. <laughs> So it brings into focus for Naomi a whole new prospect of having children in her family. Well, we've known this from verse 1 of chapter 2. But but the tension here has been finally resolved in seeing Boaz as that one who could be the redeemer for the family. So maybe this Boaz will support Naomi and Ruth in their their widowness, widowhood, 
And Boaz could marry Ruth. They could have a family. They could support Naomi into her old age. So knowing this, the question still remains, where is her faith being placed here? Is she looking to Yahweh, her God, to provide for her? Or is she looking to Boaz, who reflects Yahweh? Yes. But is she understanding where this kindness is coming from? Why would you say no, out of curiosity? Because at this point, she's still seeing Boaz. Her whole focus is on, wait, here's a redeemer, here's a man, here's a person who would. And I think that changes when the baby actually mm-hmm. Then she looks and says, it's the Lord. So you think the focus is, is just, it's on Boaz, 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 and then, as far as her hope goes, until the baby is born at yeah, the end. Yeah. She's still got a hard spot in her. She's got a blind spot. I think. At this point, is what it sounds like. So you think she still has a hard spot, a blind spot? A blind spot. Uh, yeah. She's still not seeing the Lord working behind the scenes in the way it's happening. Until the child comes. Mm-hmm. Then I think it gets lifted and she's like, oh, grace. And, and it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what appears. Mr. Draper? Combination. Recognition that maybe God is working here yeah. on Naomi's part. God's at, at work, and, and there are events taking place that are somewhat inexplicable. Yeah. And, and so the, she's starting to see that maybe it dawns on her that yeah, God's at work, and, and something's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, she's definitely had a mind shift. Whether or not her mind shift has resulted in her faith transferring from herself to her God, there's definitely a mind shift. So, I think she's got a little bit of a fatalistic kind of way of looking at it, though, because she still says, well, you might get assaulted somewhere else, so you're there. It's good that you're there. A fatalistic way of looking at it. She thinks in the negative a little, Okay, in, so, she, so you're saying... In that she's telling Ruth to be careful not to get assaulted, she's kind of got a negative take on things. She's worried about that. She's not, that kind of thing happening. She is worried about that. Sense. So she's still thinking a little 
Okay. She still got that little bitterness thing. You know, what else could happen? You know, she could get assaulted. Yeah. Good, you're there. Yeah. Yep. And maybe another take on that has to do with Boaz's generosity, too. Uh, yeah, don't go anywhere else, Ruth, because this is a good thing coming right now. Yeah, and someplace else might be bad. Yep. Yeah. She still thinks it's bad. Yeah. Is there any, is there any commentary on the amount of the barley that she brought home? Like a, yeah. Yeah, about five gallons of. So, Boy, I know a, a five pounds of barley or, th- or an ephah of barley might last two weeks for one person or something like that. It's a week or two of food probably for both women. It's, it's hard to say exactly how much it was, but yeah. So it was a significant amount. And here they have the whole rest of the harvest season, say eight weeks to glean and glean and glean. So, yeah. So let's move on to point two here, though, and looking at, so we've seen how um, Naomi, the, the road to her repentance begins with the loving kindness of the Lord bestowed upon her. But now let's look at how her, the road to her repentance continues with the patience of the Lord bearing with her. Now, uh, I'd like to say that my second point kind of shows my hand, which I've already told you is, I, I do think that her faith is still remaining in herself and what she can do about a situation instead of in in her God, if that makes sense. Um, but let's go through this and look at this and consider that together. So Naomi sees opportunities. Um, she sees an opportunity here to solve their hunger problem. We see that she's been hungry in Moab and comes to Bethlehem for food. And then she's she's still hungry in Bethlehem as a widow. And early on in the story, though, when the family is hungry in Bethlehem, when they first went to, before they first went to Moab, they saw an opportunity there. Maybe they looked across from a hilltop and saw the green hills of Moab, and it beckoned to them. So they went for it. And then we see that her return was precipitated by an opportunity. She was left without support, and she saw an opportunity. The Lord had visited his people and given them food. And she took that opportunity. So what does Boaz here look like to her, maybe? Thinking of opportunities. God's provision. God's provision. For yeah, for complete support eventually, and and the second part of that is offspring. the The idea of continuing the 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 kinsman redeemer redeeming Naomi's family from disappearing, basically. And she so she does realize Boaz could be one that raises up an heir to take over the inheritance of Elimelech. We see this in how she refers to the living and the dead in verse 20. Um, look, at, look at that there. Um, Naomi said, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And she's referring to who? Who is she referring to? Herself. And she would be what? Dead or living? What about the living? 
keep going there, and you see, um, may he be blessed by the Lord. Let's see. Uh, Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, ours, one of our redeemers. So she's including Ruth in the family of Elimelech there. I think because of that, we see that the living would at least be Ruth, but I would think Naomi and Ruth, and then the dead would be referring to her uh, husband and sons. So the family, I think, is what she's saying there as far as the um, looking at what's going to come. And then, of course, she, she tells Ruth, and, you know, this Boaz, as our Redeemer, this is a good thing. So she tells Ruth to stay close. It's good that he told you to stay close to his young men. Stay close to his young... Uh, you know, and I wish I, I thought about this question. Why is it that Ruth reports Boaz telling her to stay close to the young men, and then we have Naomi saying, it's good, stay with the young women, lest you be assaulted. You see that there in verse 22. And then so Ruth, obediently, kept close to the young women until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. Now we see Naomi's mind is working, and she's scheming and thinking, hey, opportunity, we, we can be pulled up out of our wretched state by this man Boaz. Now, and I, like I said, I wish I had more time to look at this and think about this, but is Naomi keeping Ruth away from the young men? You know, in chapter 2, over and over again, it refers to young men, young women, young, 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 young. And we have Boaz and Naomi who are the old. So there's kind of that, I don't know, it seems like maybe she's saying, yeah, don't, don't go close to these young men and who might marry you. Let's stay close to young women. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It was just fun to think about. Yeah. Wasn't it common to, I'm not so sure that it addresses it here, but for the young men to chase the women away and they didn't want them so close to them or going next to them? Yeah, yeah, as far as the gleaners or the women working with the men, you the mean? Gleaners. The gleaners, yeah. Specifically, because they were the yeah. poor. Yeah, they'd want to make sure the poor didn't take into, yeah, into uh, what they shouldn't be taking. Yeah. I can't remember where that was, but they were chasing the women away chasing the gleaners away. They were rebuked for that, but I don't know where that is. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, but regardless, I guess the point is Boaz. Boaz is the man who's going to solve all of her problems. So Naomi then takes action, and this is where we see her doing something that indicates where she's placing her trust. So she takes matters into her own hands. We've looked at where she's taken these opportunities and done something about them before, um, but let's consider the ways that. So far, we've seen um, Yahweh providing for Naomi and Ruth. So so what are some ways where we... How do we see Yahweh providing for Naomi and Ruth up to this point? Well, he led her to Boaz's field. He led her to Boaz's field just on accident, kind of, as it were. No, that's probably Yep. Absolutely. God has brought 
everything to pass exactly That's right. Music. You know, you could say, oh, but Naomi was thinking this and thinking that. No, God wanted that to happen because he had a plan. Absolutely, yeah. And by using that language of it just kind of happened, that's what the author is saying. God did this. Yep. Um, yeah, he brought, brought her to Boaz, Boaz's field. But earlier, what does he do? The barley harvest. The beginning of the barley harvest. He, he provides food for his people and brings Naomi and Ruth to the land just at the beginning of the barley harvest. But before that, what's he do? To Naomi, specifically for Naomi. Yes, he provides Ruth and safe travel. And remember what Naomi was telling Ruth. What was she telling Ruth and Orpah? Don't come with me. Yeah, go find rest in the house of a husband. Uh, again, <laughs> think of the irony of that just, just for a second. How Naomi was trying to push Ruth away, who eventually would become her means of being redeemed. And how Yahweh, her God, is working to bring her kindness even as she accuses him and becomes bitter and, and calls herself empty. So now she comes up with this plan. She sees Boaz out there as the generous benefactor. She sees Ruth in his fields and and how generous he's been to Ruth. And she puts two and two together and thinks, hey, we have a match here. This could be a good thing for us down the road. She hatches this plan, and starting in verse 1, we'll read through it. <clears throat> and then uh, I'll, make, I'll just bring out a, little, a few things and we can think about her plan. So starting in verse 1, Then Naomi said to her daughter, sorry, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing, winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. All right. Is anybody out there a father of a daughter out of curiosity? Would you let your daughter do this? Now, even the the author here, is kind of telling us that this is a risky situation. In verse 4, there are at least three words that can be seen with a double meaning, double entendre, right? So if you look in verse 4, she tells Ruth, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. So the word for observe is the word for to know, as in Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived so there's one kind of a word that can be seen two ways. And then it says, then go and uncover his feet. And the word for uncover, again, is kind of a euphemism for exposing nakedness. For um, It's in the law. Do not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife, etc. So there's another word that could have two meanings. And then it says, and lie down. 
And that lie down is, again, another, it could be seen or taken, it's a word that could be used to say, a man lay with his wife. And so, just right there, we see the author highlighting that this could be a dangerous thing for Ruth and Boaz. Not to mention, there's the risk of their reputations being ruined if if this was discovered, even if they don't do anything immoral, right? So in Hosea 9, we see um, Hosea talking to Israel, and he says, Exalt not like the peoples, for you have played the whore, forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. The threshing floor was a place where prostitutes could visit. It was kind of outside the city, probably a somewhat remote location where the grain was threshed and kept and the owner or someone slept there to protect it from thieves or whoever. And so a prostitute could come and um, uh, approach a man in that place. And then that would be their reputations if they were discovered. What about Ruth's reputation as the Moabite woman? Now think about Ruth as a Moabite. She is a woman, but also a Moabite. And how the Moabites came about. Does anyone know that story? A lot. Yeah. And what, what, did, what happened there? Yeah, an alcohol-related incident or two. Yeah. Not too glorious. Yep. Not glorious at all. It's it was pretty uh, an ugly scenario, and it was scheming. They made a plan, the daughters of Lot, because there were no men where they lived, to say, "Hey, we need children. Let's get our father drunk and have children by him." And that's where Moab came from, and that's where Ammon came from. And so Ruth, as a Moabite woman also takes a further risk in damaging her reputation if discovered in carrying forth this plan. And then there's this other possibility. Does anyone see another possibility here of how this could go wrong? Boaz. Boaz, a righteous and godly man, he could have said, get out of here. I want nothing to do with you, you immoral woman. Boaz could have had nothing to do with that. But it doesn't make it immoral. She's following a mere Eastern custom that often they did that just to say, I want to be married to you. So it's, it doesn't have to be anything it, immoral there at all. There doesn't have to be. There doesn't have to be, yeah. Yeah, the language, though, in verse 4 especially, I think, highlights the the questionable nature of what's going on. But it's a double meeting. It is a double meeting. It doesn't have to be that way. Yes, absolutely. Actually, we'll get into that next week. That'll be... Yeah, the time of the judges was not a good time. But... So the question is, then, as we read through this plan, and we see Ruth saying, all you say I will do, is how will this turn out? And this is a, it's a real-life event that God gives us to teach us something about himself. And 
it's just amazing that he can use this drama that we have here. To ju- Even as he's teaching us about himself, it's not like uh, point A, I am omniscient. It's, it's showing us himself through a wonderful story with drama and intrigue. But the question is, what will happen? How will Yahweh use this for good? And why do we ask that question? Do we see a pattern of Yahweh using stuff for good in the book of Ruth? Gary mentioned it as far as Yahweh's, the Lord's providence, right? What, what has he done so far? Sure, a few things. Gave Ruth to Naomi. Perfect timing at the beginning of the harvest. He brings Ruth to Boaz's field, who just, he was a close relative. Yep, he's a redeemer. Yep. Yeah, and and so as we go forward into next week. Prodigal son or prodigal daughter? Explain. And then the father welcomes him back, the prodigal son back. Even though he took his money to a foreign land, spent it and blew it, he came back, and the father still showed mercy and grace on him and accepted him back into his family. And it's kind of Naomi's story there, so to speak. She lost what she had, and she returned. So like the prodigal son, leaving his father, losing everything, coming back and the father blessing him, coming back empty. Naomi leaves, comes back empty, and is receiving blessing. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Boaz saw Ruth. Yep. Yeah, God brought Boaz to the field and he noticed Ruth. Yeah. Yep. All these things show God working. Yeah. Yeah. And so as we see God working, we can we can rest assured that nothing immoral will happen. And we will see that next week for sure. But we still wonder if Naomi's faith was resting on Yahweh to provide or upon herself to take advantage of a good opportunity. Now, Ruth and Boaz now for our last point, and we'll go through this quickly. They they show us what it means to rest, be resting in the kindness of the Lord, don't they? Um, We see Ruth clinging to Naomi and leaving her people and her gods for Naomi's people and Naomi's God. 
she knows that Boaz is a worthy man here. And look at verse 5, what Ruth says. All that you will, all that you say, I will do. Ruth is a worthy woman, and she knows Boaz is a worthy man. And she goes out to do this, even if there were risks involved, knowing herself and knowing Boaz as those who reflect the kindness of God. Um, Boaz, instead of denying the chance to glean, think Ruth the chance of glean, thinking of Boaz's kindness, instead allows her to glean and provides overly abundantly for her. And so now with this situation in front of her, we will we'll see them acting according to the principle of covenant love, of faithfulness, of protection. It's what the Bible calls hesed, or it's a word that involves a lot of different aspects. But it, I call it loving kindness. I like that word, but it could be thought of as mercy, of covenant grace, covenant faithfulness, the kindness of the Lord. Yahweh is acting kindly to Naomi through Ruth and Boaz, as he works to bring her back to himself. And so as we conclude, consider what he's teaching us about himself in the book of Ruth. And consider his mercy that he shows to Ruth, the Moabite woman. His love displayed to Naomi through Ruth and Boaz as he provides for her. His covenant faithfulness to the living and to the dead in providing a redeemer in Boaz. Think about that redemption. That redemption was set up in the law so that the names of those of Israel would not be perish from the rolls of Israel. So that the land of those in Israel would remain as an inheritance forever. We see that then the ultimate work of God's chesed or covenant love as he sends Christ to redeem his people. And so as we see Boaz come into the picture here for Naomi, giving her hope. <coughs> Hope for the future, the Bible points us, and we see as Christ comes into the picture, born of a virgin in Bethlehem, as the great redeemer of his people, who lifts them out of their sin and misery. And think about what Jesus does. He gives us a name that will never be removed from the Lamb's book of life. He gives us a land in that heavenly city, that new Jerusalem, that new creation that will never be wiped out. And as Naomi's being worked on here by a, a Yahweh, being changed from being bitter and empty and trusting in herself, and seeing Yahweh is coming out against her, to a woman, she's being changed to a woman that, who will see the fullness of Yahweh's kindness lying in her lap by the end of the book. So consider this when your heart is bitter. Consider the loving kindness of the Lord as he leads you to repentance. So, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are kind to us, that you have given us so much blessing, and we pray that you would open our eyes to see the glory of your redemption that you've worked. Thank you for Christ, who, in whose name we pray. Amen.